Welcome to Neo Chats, an interview-style podcast focusing on educating neonatal nurses, caring for newborns and their families, hosted by Jenna Morton. It is a project of the Canadian Association of Neonatal Nurses, a nonprofit organization committed to the health and well-being of newborns and their families. Hello, and welcome to Neo Chats. I'm your host, Jenna Morton. Palliative care is not often discussed as a treatment approach within the NICU, but our guest this episode is trying to change that. Nikki Burza is a registered nurse working in the NICU at McMaster Children's Hospital in Hamilton, Ontario. She's also studying to be a nurse practitioner specializing in neonatology. Hello, and welcome to Neo Chats. Hey, Jenna, how are you? Thank you so, so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this. I think this is going to be a really fascinating discussion for a lot of people to listen to. And I think I'd like you to start just by kind of painting a picture of the experience you've had dealing with palliative care in the NICU. Of course. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So I do have a bit of a unique experience having participated in both end of life and palliative care from two different lenses. So currently right now, I'm a registered nurse in the neonatal intensive care unit and have cared for infants and families at the end of life and in events leading up to the end of life in the NICU. Um, I'm also a master's of nursing nurse practitioner pediatric student at the University of Toronto, completing my master's program. Um, So although I've been hired on to continue as an NP in the NICU upon completion of my program, throughout the program, I've had both the honor and privilege to be the NP student with the quality of life and advanced care team, frequently referred to as the Koala care team at McMaster, uh, which is our pediatric palliative care team. So I've had the experience of both being a bedside nurse for infants and families requiring palliative care, spending 12-hour shifts at a time at the bedside, supporting them throughout whatever their palliative journey may look like, as it is different with every infant. Um, And I've had the experience in having and leading discussions of redirection of cares for families and collaborating with both neonatology and pediatric palliative care for end-of-life plans, including symptom management, Um, at the time of death and follow-up support for families and staff members after the loss of an infant. So in these experiences, I've grown the utmost passion for neonatal palliative care, as well as perinatal palliative care. So the loss of an infant prior to neonatal life, including miscarriages and stillbirths. So that in itself can be its own whole podcast. Um, And McMaster Children's Hospital is actually starting their first perinatal palliative care team in their center. Um, So I've just grown a really big passion for both neonatology and pediatric palliative care. So I'm very excited to speak um, to the viewers about that today. Talk a little bit about how that's different, how this is this is still kind of new. What has the experience been up until now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we recently did a educational rounds for the quality of life and advanced care team or again, the koala care team. Um, and it's interesting because one of the viewers was a neonatal nurse practitioner who was on the unit oh, more than 20 years ago. And now she is an ethicist for the hospital. And just seeing how the role of pediatric palliative care and palliative care in general has grown in neonatology over the years has been wonderful. Um, So the different resources and supports that we're able to offer families now versus years ago when pediatric palliative care wasn't even a team that circulated the hospital. Um, So it's grown a lot 
um, particularly in neonatology at McMaster Children's Hospital with the koala care team. Um, we focus a lot on things that happen before, during, and after the death of a child. So before is all the legacy creation and memory making with the family, all of the really difficult but important discussions about how the end of life will look like for them. During the end of life, we talk a lot about pain and symptom management for the infant. Um, we talk about what it might look like for the family. And again, that might be different for everyone. Um, we talk about where they want to do it. Um, so some families find that like the room that the infant has been in in the NICU has been their home for their entire life and feel a very strong, strongly that that is where um, end of life should happen. Um, but it actually is also very much a possibility to have this happen at home. And for some families, that's really important for them. So that's kind of the during piece. And then the after piece um, is taking care of everybody involved after. So that's the family who has just gone through an insurmountable loss, um, as well as the staff members who are part of that grieving process. Um, and so in like a very quick summary, the before, during, and after of end of life and palliative care um, is just kind of how it's changed over the few years. Let's talk a little bit about what some of those those options are that you can you can present to a family, particularly I'm thinking, you know, for some of our nurses who might be listening who don't have a full team at their mm -hmm. disposal like you, but are are hoping to kind of bring some of this into, into their hospital. This discussion is going to be a really big discussion that is based off of um, what the family wants at the end of life for their child, um, as well as what the neonatology team, so the medical team, the nurses, the respiratory therapists, the doctors, and all that kind of stuff rec might recommend for the baby and what that might look like in every individual scenario. So again, we talk about how every single baby is different and that might look different, um, but it's always a spectrum of things. So we'll say that, you know, your infant has this life limiting diagnosis um, and it could look like your options, you have many different options and what you want to do to move forward. Um, you can, so oftentimes a lot of these infants are mechanically ventilated. So they'll have a breathing tube or an ETT endotracheal tube um, in their nose or their mouth that helps give them breaths and breathe for them. Um, so life sustaining measures. Um, one of the biggest options in those cases, in those babies, um, is the withdrawal of the tube or the withdrawal of life-sustaining measures. So in a lot of cases, that is the option that they go for in terms of the removal of life-sustaining measures. Um, but we talk a lot about different language in the NICU and the withdrawal of life-sustaining measures such as a ventilator or a breathing tube does not equate to the withdrawal of care. You'll hear medical people say withdraw care often, and we never withdraw care on infants or babies or children or anybody. You might withdraw the life-sustaining measures, but you always, always, always care for the patient and the family throughout. Um, and so that's a big thing in terms of language in palliative care and neonatology. Um, and then we like give the family that option in whatever 
seems best for them and their family. So that could include where they do it. And there's a range of places that you can do it. You can do it in the hospital. You can, if you do have the resources of such like a pediatric palliative care team, um, you can transfer the infant home with the ventilator and breathing tube and withdraw there. Um, You can like just transfer it into like a nice quieter area in like a community hospital, if that's the best that you can do at that time for that infant. Um, but I think regardless of resource, um, the best things that we can do is just have an open and honest conversation about the options that we have for every single family um, and help them decide and guide their management for palliative care. What are some of the challenges that you've seen in bringing this approach into the NICU? Is there, is there some, you know, is there any pushback from, from hospitals or from families that you're seeing? I would say that the biggest challenge is understanding, again, that piece of language, um, as well as the concepts of palliative care and end-of-life care um, in the NICU and in hospitals in general. And so, no, not so much pushback from families and medical team, but really defining palliative care and defining end of life care. So language is very important. So no one is palliative or isn't palliative. Patients either do or do not have palliative needs. Um, palliative care is not the antithesis of active care, but palliative care is a proactive care often alongside life prolonging care. Um, So I'll define the terms a little bit for us here. So palliative care is an active and total approach to care that is provided to families and children with life-threatening conditions from the time of recognition and or diagnosis of the disease throughout the illness and at the time of death and beyond. Um, End of life care is the provision of care during and around the time of death and immediately afterwards. It enables the supportive and palliative care needs of both the child and family to be identified and met throughout the last phase of life and into bereavement. It includes management of symptoms and the provision of psychological, social, spiritual, and practical support. So I think the biggest challenge in neonatology right now in general is um, you'll often hear doctors and nurses like saying, is this patient palliative or oh, I thought they weren't palliative yet. And that I think would be like the biggest myth in palliative care is that to be palliative or deemed palliative or have palliative needs doesn't mean that all of your other care stops. Like they happen synonymously at the same time. So palliative care and end of life care can happen as at the same time as life sustaining care. Um, and then just again, the reiteration of we do not ever withdraw care. Sometimes we withdraw treatments that no longer achieve our goals of care. Um, and so I talked a little about a little bit earlier about um, withdrawal of a breathing tube or withdrawal of a ventilator. And I actually, instead of calling this a withdrawal of anything, I personally like to call it a compassionate extubation. And what that is, is extubating someone who is on invasive mechanical ventilation that is not expected to survive. So it's a plan of care that focuses on symptom alleviation and comfort measures. Registration is now open for the Neonatal Nursing What's on the Horizon Conference. This virtual conference will take place June 26th through 28th. 
You can join your neonatal nursing colleagues for an impressive lineup of national and international speakers who will address today's emerging topics and trends in neonatal nursing care and newborn health. This three-day conference will include both general and concurrent sessions, visual posters, and an interactive exhibit hall with plenty of opportunities and activities that will allow you to network and connect with nurses across the country. Registration is now open at neonatalcan.ca. That's neonatalcann.ca. It's so important to have those discussions around the meanings of words and how important mm-hmm. the language is because it does very much delineate those different things that you're, you're bringing forth. You touched earlier as well on, uh, you know, the, the whole spectrum of palliative care includes the impact that it has on the staff. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more about that role and about how nurses and doctors and the healthcare providers can, can protect themselves through the process. Yes, of course. That's such an important portion of pediatric palliative care and neonatology in general. And so we recognize that the death of a child can also affect the bedside staff and include them in the process of grieving. Um, So we want to highlight the importance of checking in on one another. So we emphasize that towards, so I've talked about before, during and after. And so aftercare also includes the involvement of the whole team. Um, inclusive of the patient and family who is always at the center of our care, but surrounding that, that's everybody who's been involved in the baby's care. So nurses, doctors, respiratory therapists, allied health, everybody who's been a part of the team is involved in the bereavement process and aftercare. And it's important to have immediate check-ins with the interprofessional team after the death of a child prior to commencing work once again. Um, So particularly in my unit, the busyness of it often has us caring for other children shortly after the death of another. So formal follow-up in the context of team debriefs um, should be completed. We usually give it within the next week type thing to allow members who were there at the end of life to just decompress and continue on with their work um, after like checking in with them specifically. Um, But then we have kind of a structured slash unstructured debrief. So structured in the time that we set aside a time and somebody leads the debrief to talk about how they felt the end of life happened for the infant, um, all of the events leading up to it, any social, emotional things that are involved in that. Um, And it's also unstructured in that we allow the conversations to flow in whatever direction the team requires that day. And so along with the debrief, Um, which is something that I really advocate for um, all clinical leaders and healthcare practitioners to have after the death of a child. Um, Educational opportunities regarding literature surrounding compassion versus empathy is also a really big thing that should be supplied to the staff. Um, So the terms compassion and empathy, there's a lot of literature in palliative care out there with those terms. And so again, with the whole language piece, just defining defining those will be helpful for um, bedside staff. So empathy is understood as a more complex interpersonal construct that involves awareness and intuition. So a lot of people liken this to putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. While compassion is defined as a way to develop the kindness, support, and encouragement to promote the courage we need and to take actions we need in order to promote promote the flourishing and well-being of ourselves and others. 
So when you think of these two terms, you'll often think of a lot of healthcare providers having empathy for families. And sometimes that isn't the best case because if we put ourselves in their shoes all the time, then we're there and feel the things with them and grieve with them. Um, Whereas if we're compassionate in our care, we're able to understand that, yes, this is happening to them, but I am not there in their shoes with them so I can help guide them through whatever they need in this moment in the near future. It's such a, a tricky but important balance to be able to do that, to be to be kind and compassionate without fully, you know, immersing yourself in the experience. What else do you want our listeners to think about when they're considering palliative care in the NICU? I think that in consideration of palliative care or considering of any treatment or any kind of thing that you do to our babies and our families, um, just think of like the mission and the vision for first your corporation or whoever you work with, but as well as like what you want to do as that bedside nurse, as that nurse practitioner, as whoever or whatever um, you are. And so I always think that the NICU has a lot of beginnings and a lot of endings. um, And that comes with a lot of the best days ever and a lot of the worst days ever. And so regardless if it's this family's best day or their worst day, you are in that family's memory as the bedside nurse, as the nurse practitioner who is there looking after their little kiddo. Um, And so it's just important to be there and to be present. And it's just important to care. Um, It's okay to feel all of the feelings and emotions. Um, Sometimes it's helpful for the families. Um, I would say to maybe try to not again be in that empathetic piece where you're just there with them um because they also need somebody to like look to and be guided by and felt feel strong with um but it's so important to show the families that you know we really really care for their infant um and that we feel their loss um never to their extent It's unimaginable what they're going through, um, but that they have a huge team of nurses and other medical professionals who are with them and there for them in this very, very difficult time. What is it about this work that speaks to you so strongly? Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many different things about this work that speaks to me so strongly. And I've had... um, many experiences throughout both of my degrees in many different populations and patient populations, but it really is neonatology and it really is um, a lot of the end of life stories that stick to me the most. Um, And so in preparing for this kind of interview and podcast, actually, I reflected back a lot and I was looking through some of the reflections that I've written in my past and it was probably two years into my nursing degree that I wrote this little like thank you to four different populations of people. And um, it was to my co-workers. So I wrote to them saying to those who stayed overtime again, um, it was to the parents and families of the babies that we take care of. So I wrote saying to those who both made and mourn these little lives, um, I wrote to the infants that we've taken care of that have grown and who are eight years old now and doing wonderfully. 
Um, and I wrote to them saying to those who defined all odds. Um, and then the last group that I wrote to were to this population of people. Um, and it was to those who didn't make it. And so I'll just read the short little blip that I have here for it. And I said, when they say life is short, they don't even think about it from the perspective of neonatal intensive care units. We see the shortest lives there are on this earth. We see lives that shouldn't have even started yet, but have already ended. We see lives end exactly when they begin. We spend a baby's whole life trying to have them hold on a little longer, far longer than the 20 minutes that the neonatal resuscitation program guidelines suggest, because 20 minutes is not a long enough chance to give a tiny human, because it's not just a tiny human, but a whole entire future and dream and possibility of two people's love. So to all the little lives that we could not save, to all the dreams and futures and possibilities that we tried so hard to keep, if all you ever feel are loving hugs and kisses, if all you ever see are faces that adore you, if all you ever hear is just how much we love you, then you have known the best parts of our world, and we hope you know that you are the best part of ours. Regardless of the swiftness of your life, your moments and love surrounded by your memory are everlasting because there is no foot too small that it cannot make an imprint on this world. That is absolutely beautiful, Nikki. Thank you for sharing that. I think that is the perfect place to wrap up this discussion for today. And I just thank you again so much for, for being open about sharing your personal feelings about your work, but also some of the, the practical side of things that I know are going to be very helpful for everyone listening. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for having me. Nikki Burza is a registered nurse working in the NICU at McMaster Children's Hospital in Hamilton, Ontario. NeoChats is a project of the Canadian Association of Neonatal Nurses. Registration is now open for the June 26th through 28th virtual conference. An impressive lineup of national and international speakers will address today's emerging topics and trends in neonatal nursing, care, and newborn health. Registration is open now at neonatalcan.ca. That's neonatalcann.ca. The content producer and host is Jenna Morton. Technical production by Tosh Taylor of the Podcast Hub. For more information on the association, visit our website at www.neonatalcan.ca or our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram pages. 